0: My good buddy Brandon Cavanaugh over at Eight Leases on Twitter, uh, he gave me this idea. It's a hypothetical situation, but hey, I mean, who knows? Maybe it could happen someday. Here's the situation, right? As uh, explained by Brandon, a five-star football player has whittled his choices from 50 down to two. And it's between Penn State and Nebraska. Scott Frost and James Franklin take their in-home visit, but can only say positive things about the other guys to help make their case. What do they say about the other coach or program? Now, I'll take this strictly from the Penn State James Franklin point of view and kind of reflect over on what to say about Scott Frost in Nebraska. And I thank Brandon for this because I think it would be a pretty fun segment to throw into the mix and kind of just spitball around the entire Big Ten. Maybe even some other conference opponent or non-conference opponents as well. Because this is a pretty cool conversation as we're going to continue to take a look around the Big Ten. So what would you say if you're an opposing coach like James Franklin, what would you say about one of your peers, Scott Frost in Nebraska, hasn't exactly had the best go of things in his short time back in Lincoln where he... Played football and graduated. Uh, he is a Nebraska kid, born and bred, uh, and his uh, success has not quite translated yet in the win column. And I think if you're James Franklin, you look at Scott Frost and you say, "Look, you know, things may not be going well, but things weren't going well for me all the time either." And I think you look at Scott Frost and you see he's a guy that has a plan. And I think if you give that plan time to mature and you give him time to do the recruiting that is necessary in, in order to get Nebraska to play at the high competitive level that they are trying to accomplish, I think good things can still happen. I, I don't think Scott Frost is a dummy of a coach. Uh, there's no way I can say that when he did what he did at UCF after his short time as an offensive coordinator at Oregon. The guy has an offensive mind, and if you give him the right tools to work with, in time Nebraska is going to be a pretty fun program to watch and, and I genuinely believe that and I've always thought that I thought Scott Frost going to Nebraska was a sl- as much of a slam dunk as Nebraska could have had I will put it that way I think it's a perfect fit and I think it's too perfect to fail so I think if you're if you're an opposing coach you look at Scott Frost and yeah you know things haven't instantly changed for the better at Nebraska. Uh, they are not the, the Big Ten West favorite that a lot of people think that they should be. And I don't know if we should say that Nebraska should be the favorite anymore. I think Wisconsin has proven that uh, they are the class of that Big Ten West division. And of course, the, the rest of that division has gotten a little bit tougher. You know, Northwestern had a down year last year, but it's still a team you don't typically want to play. They can be a thorn in everybody. And of course, we'll get in Peyton Ramsey. They're going to be a little bit better offensively this year, too. And, of course, Minnesota, we saw what they did last year. I don't think P.J. is slowing down. But as far as Nebraska's concerned, I don't see anything that's really stopping them from being one of the top teams in that Big Ten West once Scott Frost really has full... assembly of that program. You know, you know, Recruiting takes a little bit of time to get everybody on the same page. A lot of young talent there. I think he's got his quarterback in Adrian Martinez, and I think that Nebraska is going to be a fun team to watch in 2020, and I think that they are certainly capable of taking that next step very soon and when they do i think it's going to be a pretty big step you know i think they're going to go from a team that has just missed postseason eligibility to a team that is going to be competing with wisconsin for that big 10 west division i don't think it's going to be a small step forward i think when they take that next step it's going to be a pretty big one i'm not saying it's big enough to take on ohio state and dethrone them for the big 10 championship but they are certainly going to be ready to compete for a big 10 west very very soon and i think it's going to happen this year i think we're going to start to see that step this year i think that uh, it's a dangerous team that scott frost is putting together and it's certainly one that's going to be uh much appreciated by i think the faithful in lincoln so yeah if i'm james franklin i'm looking at scott frost and i see a guy that has a plan he's working on building that plan and i think as that plan comes together you're going to see some sustained success once again out in nebraska that's my my take on Scott Frost. Let me know what you guys think. What do you think about Scott Frost in Nebraska? Are you keeping an eye on what Nebraska does? Obviously, it's not the same Nebraska program it once was, but as I said, I think it's a team that should be fully capable of competing for the Big Ten West Division on a pretty regular basis. Maybe not every season, but they should be one of the top teams in that conference or in that division. And I think that they will get there uh, in pretty soon time. And I think uh, anyone who was expecting it to happen overnight was probably a little bit misguided. They probably also thought that Tom Herman was going to turn Texas into a national champion in year one. So these things take time. I think James Franklin has proven that at Penn State. I think Scott Frost is going to continue to prove that at Nebraska. But let me know what you guys think. Hit me up on Twitter with our podcast handle at Locked On Nittany, And, of course, you can check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com. Slash locked on knitting. All right, we started up a little bit of a new spur of the moment segment that we're going to run with uh, for the next how many episodes where we're going to say something nice about another program and another head coach around the Big Ten. We started with yesterday's episode, taking a positive look at Scott Frost in Nebraska. Today, I'm going to stay in that division and I'm going to talk about Minnesota and what the job that PJ Fleck has been doing. And I cannot say enough about what PJ Fleck has done at Minnesota in the short time that he has been there. And I thought of all the big 10 programs that were in this conference, I thought Minnesota was the program where he could have the biggest impact and the things that he does could carry over and lead to some success uh, as far as building that program. And certainly he has done that. He has turned the Minnesota team into a team that is not just winning football games, but feeling confident winning football games and going out and becoming a team to reckon with in that Big Ten West division. Now, last year, things were looking really well for really good for Minnesota, especially after that big home win against Penn State. And I still say to this day, that was a terrible spot for Penn State to walk into as good as Penn State was at that point in the season, uh, going on the road to Minnesota, who had the week off. It was the biggest game on their home schedule all season long uh, up to that point, at least and you knew that Minnesota was going to be fired up for that game. And they were. And they took advantage of that. They jumped over Penn State very early. And I cannot give enough credit to what P.J. Fleck and Minnesota did. Yes, Penn State had some shortcomings. We're not going to get into that. However... Uh, a team like Minnesota had the players, had the, the the key position players, like wide receivers, to take advantage of those shortcomings. And that, to me, is a sign of good coaching. And P.J. Fleck is a good coach. Uh, I know he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. He's got a lot of energy. But to me, I like that. And I think, again, it doesn't work at every program. But it works at Minnesota. It worked for him at Western Michigan. And Minnesota was the one team in the Big Ten. I thought it was going to be able to work almost seamlessly. And to me, I think it has. And I think he's, he's still going. I don't know what the ceiling is for Minnesota. I, I don't think it's as high as it may be for a team like Nebraska. Nebraska but I think it's high enough where you can get Minnesota into a Big Ten Championship game situation. You know, you probably need a couple things to fall in their favor in order to get there, but I think P.J. Fleck, uh, if he's going to stay at Minnesota, he's going to get Minnesota into a Big Ten title game at some point. I don't know if it'll be this upcoming season. I don't know if it'll be next year. I do have to look at their schedule. We're going to look at every team's schedules uh, later on in the summer uh, once we get into summer preseason mode, but uh, for me, looking at Minnesota right now, I think they are a really fun program. They're they're fun. They're confident, and and they're building strength. And I think that that's a big key. They are they're getting stronger on the line of scrimmage. Uh, there's still there's still some work to be done. Uh, you know, if they're going to go head to head with a team like Ohio State, and as we saw with Wisconsin last year, even though they beat Wisconsin two years ago, you know, we saw against Wisconsin this past season that uh th- there's there's still they're still a little bit smaller still a little overpowered in certain areas where they need to be stronger if they're going to take that the next step forward and I think that they can do that I think that that's something that he has focused on and I think he'll continue to focus on he's got a good staff around him too obviously Penn State getting their offensive coordinator that's going to maybe shake things up a little bit but I still think you're going to see a pretty similar look from Minnesota going into next season because they found their identity and say what you will about this row, row the boat mentality the skiuma, there are a lot of gimmicks but again at Minnesota they needed gimmicks in order to establish their identity. Similar to how he did this at Western Michigan, it worked for them. It led to a MAC championship, an undefeated season, and a spot in the Cotton Bowl a few years back uh, against Wisconsin. And that's what got him the job in Minnesota. And now he's continuing to do a lot of the same things. He was able to bring over all of those identities with him that make him who he is. And, you know, maybe not everything is going to to carry water moving forward. But I do think, uh, you know, if he's going to stay in Minnesota, uh, Minnesota's got a good one. And uh, I I hope he stays in Minnesota for a while. I don't know. Uh, if he has another successful season he could very well be on the radar for some other coaching opportunities from from some schools that are going to be able to shove out but uh, you know what minnesota's got that big 10 money too (laughs) coming in and that's always nice to have you see a school like purdue go all in on jeff Braun, make him one of the highest paid coaches second highest paid coach in the big 10 if minnesota has uh, pj fleck taking calls from around the nation Don't be surprised that Minnesota prepares to pay a little bit more as well just to try and keep them there. So I I think they got a good hire. They made a really good hire at the time. It continues to be a good hire. It's not one that was gimmicky. It is one that was just well-suited. And that's why I I really like this Minnesota program from afar. I I think what P.J. Fleck is continuing to do, it's very fun for me to watch. And I can admit that even though Minnesota beat Penn State last year on the football field. Alright, so the other day we said some nice things about Nebraska, and yesterday we said some nice things about Minnesota. So, what teams should we say some nice things about today? How about the Illinois Fighting Illini? Lovey Smith is a coach that I certainly felt was going to be on the hottest of hot seats outside of maybe Chris Ash at Rutgers, but I thought that Lovey Smith had a very good chance to be among the first coaches around the country to be fired last season, during the season, if things did not get off to a great start. And you know what? They didn't get off to a great start, but there were some positives that you could see from Illinois. They were clearly an improving program. They were clearly heading in the right direction, just needed a couple of breaks to go their way. And they didn't quite get enough of those breaks to really start taking those steps forward. Until a bizarre game against Wisconsin where they come out of nowhere and stun the Badgers really put a dent in Wisconsin's path to uh, not necessarily Big Ten championship, but certainly a spot in the college football playoff. Because Wisconsin had Ohio State coming up at the time and Illinois just kind of took a lot of the thunder out of that storm that could have been brewing in the Big Ten. Ohio State and Wisconsin still ended up playing in the Big Ten championship game against each other, and it was still a pretty good game. But Wisconsin really saw their playoff hopes diminish as soon as they lost to Illinois because there was no way they were going to beat Wisconsin. But let's get back to Illinois. Lovey Smith and Illinois, they certainly... Took those steps forward. It was a young nucleus of program. You know, this is something that's been a couple of years in the works here. Where Lovey Smith, uh, I had some doubts about Lovey Smith at Illinois, especially after a really rough start to his campaign there in Champaign. But I, I was willing to give him a little bit more time. To really put in the effort in recruiting, get adjusted to recruiting, and see what he can do in developing some talent. Because that was something that I think as far as any college football program is concerned, no matter how massive of a rebuild you need to do, and no matter what your history is as a program, there's going to be a little bit of time that's needed in order to get things on the right path. Now, a school like Illinois, you don't expect to make a turnaround as quickly as you would see a turnaround for a program like Alabama or Clemson, Ohio State or Michigan, Penn State. These are programs that when they need to turn things around, they have the ability to do it a little bit more um, on, on a quicker scale than a program like Illinois, who, let's be honest, has not had a terrific football history in quite some time. We're talking decades, really. Uh, obviously, the, the Juice Williams year was fantastic for them, but overall, for the majority of my lifetime, Illinois football has not been something terribly special. Now, Lovey Smith came in, uh, you know, coming out, uh, seeing his NFL coaching career kind of leave him in the past, and this was a chance for him to kind of return to those Illinois roots because he he's well respected in the state of Illinois given his time with the Chicago Bears. And he was going to have some cachet, but he wasn't exactly somebody who was going to wow a lot of people compared to some other coaches that he was now going to have to be uh, coaching against and recruiting against. And that's why those first couple of years, they were really rough. They kind of put him on that hot seat. But you know what? The man just knows how to respond to adversity, I would say. And that's why I feel like I took a lot of joy watching Illinois celebrate some wins last year and get that, that win against Wisconsin changed their whole season. And it could potentially be a program changer uh, if that's going to be become the Illinois team that we can look forward to because they played with confidence. They were growing. They were maturing. They were learning to expect to win, go out and win, and then followed up with another win. Now, obviously, their season didn't end the way that they were hoping it would and it probably deserved to but this is now a program where Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that you don't have spring football at this point to really kind of work on taking those next steps. But, and I do wonder how that's going to impact a lot of college football programs, but I do feel like the momentum has shifted in Illinois' favor and that bodes well, very well for Lovey Smith going into the 2020 season. So I look forward to seeing what Illinois does this year. I think it's a, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to compete for the big 10 title. They may not even come in third place in their division, but I do feel that they have taken those steps to move forward and continue to grow, and I think it's a program that's worth watching because I think if Illinois has something cooking, I think that they can be a team that nobody really wants to play. I think defensively they can tune things up a little bit. I think offensively there's still some room to improve, uh, but I do feel that they're going to be they're going to be pretty fun to watch. I think in the coming years, so. I would keep an eye on Illinois. I think Lovey Smith has really changed the way that a lot of people view him and the entire program. And I think it all has to do with stunning Wisconsin the way they did last year because they followed that up and made sure everybody knew it wasn't necessarily a fluke. It may have been a fluke, but it certainly didn't feel like it as the weeks went by after that game. And I want to see that what they do in 2020 to take those next steps if they're going to be able to do that. quick let me go back to that last segment and one of the questions about the best home field advantage in a college football stadium and one stadium that I didn't mention was Kinnick Stadium now we all know the home of the Iowa Hawkeyes is a very tough place to play especially when you're a highly ranked team as Penn State has found out on more than one occasion now sometimes they come away with a win and sometimes they've come away with a loss but going into Kinnick Stadium in a nighttime atmosphere when you are a highly ranked opponent it's not an easy place to play and so Kinnick Stadium probably deserves some props for being a tough place. But you know what? I think enough teams have gone in there and won. I think that myth has been a little bit fractured, I would say. I wouldn't say busted because it is still a tough place to play. And Iowa's going to give it to you. And that's why we lead into our segment today where we continue our theme of saying nice things about Big Ten teams. And let's talk about those Iowa Hawkeyes. Because, you know, honestly, I kind of like and respect Iowa and what Kirk Ferentz has done with that program on on many different levels. I mean, Kirk Ferentz is the elder statesman of Big Ten coaches, and he's one of the longest tenure coaches in college football for a reason, and it's because he has a study production going forward. Now, Iowa's not going to be a team that uh, you think about as a true Big Ten contender on a very regular basis, but given the way that the divisions are set up, Iowa is more than capable of playing for Big Ten titles. Every now and then. And maybe they should be doing it a little bit more. But as we said in yesterday's episode, Wisconsin is the class of that conference right or that division right now. Now, Iowa is certainly equipped more years than not to give Wisconsin a good run. And if they win a head to head matchup against the Badgers, uh, Iowa could easily be the team to beat in that division. But take a look at what Kirk Ferentz has done over the course of a career. Of course, he's taken over for Hayden Fry back in 1999, and he had a miserable first year, one in ten. That was a miserable season in 1999 for Iowa. But they started to show signs of improvement. They won three games the next year in 2000. They won seven games in 2001. And then from 2002 to 2004, they won at least ten games in three consecutive seasons. That's not something that has happened at Iowa very often. Uh, So you start to see that Kirk Ferentz knows what he's doing. He's got some really good teams. Those teams all finished in the top 10 of the AP poll. They got as high as number three back in 2002 when they were 11-2. So over the course of Kirk Ferentz's career, he has those highs that are pretty high. And his lows aren't all that low. Iowa is a 7-8 to win team almost by default every year. And you can just add a couple wins here and there, maybe based on the schedule or maybe based on some of the talent that goes through its cycles. You know, Iowa's always going to play some really good gritty defense. And certainly when they play at home, they're very tough to beat, as we just said. So Iowa's a team that is going to have those really good seasons that pop up. Every now and then now they're coming off a 10 and three wins 10 and three season last year with a victory against USC in the uh, Holly bowl. And they just completely embarrassed USC. That was a great win for Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. They end the season at number 15 in the AP poll. We got a size 14, and that was two consecutive years where they finished in the top 25. First time they had done that since 2008 and 2009. So you look around and you start to see, you know, maybe there's some consistency once again here for Iowa. And is this going to be a team that in 2020, supposing there's a college football season, is this a team that can legitimately give Wisconsin a run for that Big Ten title? Now, again, over the summer, we'll take a look, a little bit of a deeper look at Iowa's schedule and what exactly they have to work with going into the season. But to me, you know, I never count Iowa out in that Big Ten West race. It really just, a lot of it comes into play with your cross-division games. You know, who gets, who draws Ohio State, Michigan, and or Penn State on any given year? It seems as though that comes into play the way things are right now. But Iowa, is capable of handling any one of those three teams that I just mentioned from the Big Ten East, especially if those games are at home. Now, again, they, they, they suffer some of the same setbacks that I think uh, programs like Nebraska and Wisconsin will generally have, just based on their geography. They're not going to get some of the star-studded uh, recruits at some of the offensive skill positions. But defensively, uh, they find guys that work for them, and they find running backs, and they find offensive linemen, they find the bread and butter for what makes for a typical uh, or a typically difficult team to beat in the Big Ten. Now, it doesn't always necessarily translate uh, matchup-wise when you go up against a team from, say, the SEC, Uh, that can be a little bit of deficiencies. But as far as just getting to the Big Ten championship game, Kirk Ferentz knows what it takes to get there, and it's... Could be a matter of time before Kirk Ferentz actually wins a Big Ten title. Now, he may be running out of time, if we're being honest. I mean, he's been on this job, like I said, since 1999. Uh, so he's been doing this for quite some time. And we know coaches can't coach forever. So <laughs> there's going to come a point where there is a change in the guard at Iowa. And I still feel as though whoever takes over, whenever Kirk Ferentz does this, decide to step aside, they're going to have the same kind of challenges, but they'll still have the same kind of potential. And it's, it's all about who they hire. But you know, Kirk Ferentz has established himself as a gritty coach who knows what he's doing. And we may have some quarrels with him from time to time. He can be a little rough at times, and maybe you don't support all of his decisions. But I think as far as what he has built at Iowa, uh, a team that is capable of winning 9 to 11 games almost any given year. I think is uh, pretty commendable. And they're coming off uh, three straight seasons that have ended with a bowl victory, with the pinstripe bowl, outback bowl, and the holiday bowl. And uh, he's got a chance to win four straight bowl games. And I don't know if Iowa's ever won four straight bowl games in four consecutive years. Uh, so if I don't believe that has been the case. So looking to make some school history this year, I think they've got a pretty good chance of do it. We close out today's episode by continuing our theme of being nice to everybody else around the Big Ten. During times like these, it's important to be kind to all of your Big Ten brethren. And today we take a look at the Purdue Boilermakers, a program that seemed to turn a corner and start to take some steps forward under Jeff Brom very early. Of course, had a couple setbacks last season. Injuries really took a toll on that team. But you know what? I think that they're going to be back to being a pretty interesting team once again this upcoming season. Remember, Jeff Brom had a massive turnaround or rebuilding job to do with Purdue. And I think it's very important that Purdue has backed him and they have invested in him, and they are hoping to capitalize on that. Jeff Brom is the second highest paid coach in the Big Ten. Uh, to have that distinction is incredible coming out of Purdue. Now, it's not going to stay like that for very long because obviously James Franklin at Penn State, he's going to be making some bank, and of course, Ryan Day at Ohio State. Uh, it's only going to be a matter of time before he starts raking in the dough uh, on a big high level as well. But you know, Jeff Brom uh, certainly has the support of Purdue and the backing of Purdue, and that's good to see from from a program like Purdue, which of course is, uh, like I said, they've had better years. It's been a long time since Purdue has been a consistently good team, uh, certainly within the Big Ten. But I think, again, even though they had some setbacks last year, they kind of seem to take a step back. But they were ravaged by injuries, and including a significant injury to Rondale Moore, who is potentially one of the best players in the Big Ten when he's healthy. This wide receiver is one you do not want to cover. Uh, he certainly is a matchup problem for pretty much anybody out there in the Big Ten. Even the best defensive backs are going to have their hands full when they're lining up against him. Of course, you always have to get the football to him, which is going to be an issue that I think Purdue is going to continue to work through. But I do think that we see Purdue bounce back a little bit this season and be one of those teams that nobody really wants to play. And I think you can say this for about a lot of teams in that Big Ten West division. There are some good teams uh, going into the upcoming season. And any one of them could go on a run and get a couple of you know, notable wins along the way. And certainly if they can score some wins in division play, that sets them up pretty well. But I think as far as Purdue is concerned, they're obviously a wild card factor in the Big Ten West. I don't think that they'll be the team that's going to be playing for the Big Ten Championship or anything like that. But I do like Jeff Brown. I, I really do, and I thought that coming from Western Kentucky over to Purdue was a natural fit. I thought that his style of play was going to fit in very nicely at Purdue, and I think it, for the most part it has. Again, they got to stay healthy. That's been the biggest problem. Now Purdue doesn't seem to have a healthy quarterback for more than a couple of weeks at a time for a couple of years now. It seems, and of course they've had some transfers over the years that have hurt them as well, but. I do think that they are potentially uh, an entertaining team uh, as far as offensive play is concerned. Defense can probably improve a little bit. And, you know, there's lots of room for improvement across the board at Purdue. But I do think uh, Jeff Brom, you give them some time and you give them that support that they are giving them. I think that they can bolster things up to the point where they can think about getting to eight wins, nine wins, uh, potentially as their ceiling. I don't know if it's much higher than that, but I think that that's a really good uh, ceiling to climb for if you're Purdue. And I think it's attainable. I really do. I think that uh, as long as Rondell Moore is out there, he is going to be a dangerous. End. Now, obviously you have to have some players around him, uh, and that's going to be one of the big fees that they'll have to face going into the season. But I do think that Purdue is an entertaining team and they're certainly a program that I like to keep an eye on. Uh, so I, anytime that Purdue is popping up on the schedule for anybody, you know, you're going to be in for a little bit of a battle. Now, Purdue tends to play better at home recently than they have on the road. They are going to have to improve on the road because they need to be able to have some of the success that they have at home and take that on the road with them. That has not been the case the last couple of years. They always are much flatter on the road. And that, that's a sign of a program that is still learning to grow a little bit. And, and I look at Purdue the way that I look at Minnesota. I think if you have the right players in place, I think Purdue can have some of the same success that a program like Minnesota had last year. Uh, obviously I think Minnesota is probably a little bit more equipped right now and they probably have a deeper roster, but I do think that that's what we're talking about with Purdue. They can have a magical season, uh, that leads to 10 wins, maybe puts them in the race for a big 10 championship game appearance. Uh, you know, in that division, it can be up for grabs. So you just never know. But I do think that Purdue is going to be a fun team to watch once again this year. And Rondell Moore, again, for my money, most entertaining player in the big 10 in 2020, supposing he is healthy. And that's always going to be the kick. Now, Wisconsin is a team that I feel I don't know if they fly under the radar or if they're just a program that has a certain ceiling. And it's not quite the ceiling that uh, that Ohio State climbed to or, you know, Penn State has climbed to. Obviously, Penn State beat Wisconsin in that Big Ten title game just a few years ago. And of course, Wisconsin was coming off uh, an appearance in the Big Ten championship game last year against Ohio State. Wisconsin, to me is the class of the Big Ten West division. And I don't think it comes close because they are the model of consistency within that division. Yes, the Northwestern took advantage of a down year for Wisconsin uh, two seasons ago, but we saw Wisconsin bounce back last year. They demolished Michigan. Uh, they they really took uh, firm control of that division. They went in and uh, t- really ruined Minnesota's season. I, I shouldn't say ruined Minnesota's season, but Wisconsin obviously uh, flexed some muscle a year after uh, being stunned by the Gophers in Madison the, the year prior. Paul Crest is a coach that I think is as boring as they come, but you know what? There's just something about him where he, he knows what it takes to win at Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin's not a program that's going to get all the flashy uh, star players that programs like uh, Ohio State and Clemson and, and even Penn State, they won't typically get the same kind of talented, skill-position players, but they get they're bread and butter. They get the offensive linemen, and they have running backs. You know, if there's one thing you can say about Wisconsin, really since I've started following Big Ten football, uh, they have running backs, and they've got offensive linemen. That has always been the case, and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. And that's because they won't typically get the top quarterbacks. Yes, they had Russell Wilson. We've got to give them that. They had Russell Wilson. (laughs) But as far as quarterbacks are concerned, it's kind of – I don't know if it's mediocre at best. You know, slightly mediocre is probably the best way I would describe Wisconsin's quarterback play uh, for the majority. Again, Russell Wilson is the, uh, the outlier in all of this, but you know, to me, Wisconsin always has quarterbacks that they're maybe more game managers, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, you can win with a game-managing quarterback because when you have the kind of ability to run the football the way that Wisconsin does, and, you know, certainly they have played some good defense as well, that's going to be more than enough to, to win enough games to get into a Big Ten title game. And who knows, all bets are off can, in the Big Ten championship game. Obviously, that Big Ten title game against uh, Penn State a few years ago, and even last year against Ohio State, you see that Wisconsin is fully capable of winning a Big Ten in a one-game uh, scenario. Uh, it doesn't matter how good the other team is. Last year's Ohio State team was really darn good. I think they were one of the best teams in the country. That's why they were in the college football playoff. And Wisconsin took it to them, uh, a to for half. <laughs> the Ohio State team was just too good. But, you know, to me, Wisconsin, they're in a really good division where I should say they're in a good division to take advantage of. They are clearly, uh, top to bottom, the most consistent program that Paul Crest has going in that conference or in that division. And that is going to make them a prohibitive favorite, I think, for the foreseeable future. Now, I do think that Iowa is always going to be a, a team that every now and then can pop up and have one of those years where they uh, get by Wisconsin. I still think Nebraska is going to be capable of getting to where Wisconsin is, but I don't think Wisconsin's going to fall back. And I think that's the big thing here. I think uh, you know some of the other teams in that division may get better and may get to the same level, but Wisconsin is going to be... On that level, <laughs> on a regular basis, um, far more often than not. Again, the 2018 season, uh, they took a little bit of a step back, but you know that was kind of uh, you know just a, I don't know if it was a fluke, but it was something that was bound to happen at some point. And then again, they rebounded in a big way last season. So, I'm very curious to see what happens with Wisconsin going into this season. Again, we'll get into schedule breakdowns and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the in-depthness of what to expect out of the Badgers and every other team in the Big 10 as we move forward in the summer, but Right now as I'm sitting here uh, in front of my laptop recording this to you guys, I, I feel like Wisconsin is going to be the favorite in the Big Ten West Division. And I don't think there's really much competition about that. I don't think anyone's going to argue that Wisconsin is clearly – the favorite going into this season. Now, maybe Minnesota is going to be the team that gives them a run, and I think that that that's fully possible. I think that it could come down to who wins that game, although that's going to be earlier in the season than it typically is. It's not going to be a regular season finale, but I feel as though as long as Wisconsin wins that game at home against Minnesota, I don't think there's anything really stopping them from winning this division once again in 2020. Uh, But we've been going through every team in that Big Ten West, and we're going to wrap up today by saying some nice things about the Northwestern Wildcats. And you know what? I actually have a couple of nice things to say about Northwestern. Obviously, this is a program that has a lot of uh, obstacles that not every team uh, around the Big Ten has. There are academic standards. Not to say that Penn State and other schools are not academically great schools, uh, but Northwestern, of course, is just a little bit more uh, on the academic premier side of everything that we talk about when it comes to academics. So we understand that, and that gives you a limited uh, pool of players that you're usually going to be able to bring in to your own program uh your recruiting standard is going to be different from you know some of the other programs out there like ohio state and penn state and and michigan again these are all great academic schools don't get me wrong but northwestern of course uh, has a little bit of a different focus. And of course that's a detriment when it comes to acquiring some of the top talent out there. It Doesn't mean that they don't get talented players because they do. Uh, and of course we're going to get into one player that they're just adding this off season, but you got to give a guy like Pat Fitzgerald so much credit. You know, maybe he rubs some people the wrong way sometimes, but you know, there's something genuine I think about him. He genuinely loves Northwestern. You got to remember this is a guy that went to Northwestern, played for Northwestern, was a defensive standout at at Northwestern, he was a tremendous player for the Northwestern Wildcats back in the 90s. And for him to come back to his program and become the head coach, that is kind of keeping it all in the family. And it works so well for he and Northwestern. Every time that Pat Fitzgerald comes up in the as a coaching candidate on the rumor mill, every year on the coaching carousel, I'm not going to say he'll never leave Northwestern, but there are very few jobs I think he would leave Northwestern for. And you know you have to leave uh, for a good you know you have to make sure you're leaving for the right job and not every job that's out there yes you may get more money you might have more resources but Patrick Fitzgerald just seems like the kind of guy that it's going to take a lot to pry him away from coaching at Northwestern it's a program he has literally put his blood sweat and tears into as a player and he continues to be so passionate about his program. Uh, Today. And I can't commend that enough. I think that is very admirable. And I love seeing stories like that. I'm not saying that James Franklin doesn't love Penn State, but there's something about Craig, uh, I'm sorry, Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern that is just so natural, right? And he has he has had some ups and downs. He has certainly had some really good years and he get I think he gets the most out of the talent that he has than any other coach probably does in the big 10. And of course that doesn't always necessarily lead to wins, but if you're going to play Northwestern more often than not, you're going to be in for a battle. You may win those battles fairly frequently if you're a program like Penn state or Ohio state, but you're going to have to earn those wins, and I think Penn State has seen that, uh, certainly, and as, as well as some other teams. Now, last year, they had a miserable year. They got beat up pretty hard. They had some injuries. They weren't necessarily the, the same team that we saw the year before that played for the Big Ten Championship. Don't forget, the Northwesterns two years removed from playing in the Big Ten title game, and they, they gave Ohio State a battle. I think it's fair to say, uh, they 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 put up a good fight, a respectable fight for sure. Uh, but obviously, talent is usually going to prevail against a team like uh, Northwestern. Go back a couple years ago when Saquon Barkley was on the team, right? And the Penn State goes out to Evanston. It's a you know it's one of those cold kind of dreary days by the lake, and you know, Northwestern had one game plan and one game plan, and only when it was on defense, and that was don't be a part of the Saquon Barkley highlight film. They bottled him up real good. They took away a lot of things that Penn State wanted to do offensively when you had Saquon Barkley. It made life a little bit difficult for Trace McSorley that day too. Uh, And I think the defensive game plan was brilliant for what Northwestern was capable of doing. You know, (laughs) just sell out on Saquon Barkley and, you know, make Trace McSorley or somebody else beat them because they were not going to let Saquon Barkley beat them. And to the credit... It nearly worked flawlessly. There was one play where Saquon Barkley breaks loose, and it was just a matter of time before it happened, but he breaks loose for a long run. I think he scored a touchdown on the run too. And that was really what Penn State needed to be able to get out of Evanston with a win. So like I've said, if you play Northwestern, you're gonna have to battle you're gonna have a, a, a good fight on your hands because they will be prepared to play 60 minutes of football they may not always have the talent but they certainly have the heart and they certainly have the passion and they're very smart uh, when it comes to you know, playing disciplined football now again they don't get all the talent but they certainly get a lot out of what they have and to me that makes them a, a fun program to generally root for but they can be a thorn in your backside if you're not very careful